Welcome to Success Authority's Conversation Street with Leadership Authority, Peter Beaumont, and with Business Culture Authority, Ron Lehman, and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authority's founder. Well, and, and so I, I did work years ago for one of the two large pet retailers in the country. And uh, when you get into this group think about, about the way things work, and that becomes culturally ingrained. So this particular retailer, they wanted to grow their pet food sales because they felt that you know, grocery was encroaching because of, you know, when that was when IAMS went out into grocery out of spe- pet specialty. And uh, they, they didn't think about the fact that food for a pet is a regimen. It's not expandable consumption. No, right. Dog's not going to eat twice as much if you buy twice as much. Well, it's like toilet rolls with yeah. a couple of exceptions. Yep. And they ignored the fact that 80% of their food buyers never bought treats. They bought their treats somewhere else. And treats were one of the highest margin items inside the store. And the other part was taking a pathway to change the average shopping different distance between when I shop today and when's the next time I come in, which at the time was five weeks. They said, well, how do we move it back to four weeks? Well, you can't. I said, I, I can't accept that. That's well, they that it was five weeks because of the average size of the dog and the average size of the bag. So instead of thinking differently about it and say, well, why don't we become known for smaller bags, which means more trips, and making sure that for every time you bought food, you bought treats, which are expandable consumption. They they just they'd gotten so stuck in the way things used to be that they wouldn't listen to the possibilities of how can we grow smart? Because mm-hmm. if they had just said, I'm going to double the number of trips my customer has to make to someplace they consider fun shopping. And oh, by the way, I'm going to get them pick up a treat and a couple other things every time. Now I've done trips, basket and profit all in one thing. So Linda, that kind of goes to the question of understand what your customer needs when they come to see you. Mm-hmm. What's sort of a fixed and what's sort of a variable? And how do you influence that, Peter, to what you had said with the impulse purchase? Mm-hmm. We had, this was when, um, uh, it was pre-COVID, but it was there was a, a time when a kennel cough or something was going crazy across the U.S. And so people wanted hand sanitizers. Well, we could have gotten little spray bottles of hand sanitizers to put on a uh, clip at the front end. And for 99 cents, we could have, sold people five of them, one for the car, one for the purse, one for the desk, one for, no, can't do that. That just, that doesn't make any sense. And it's like, you guys have lost touch with who your customer is and what they're trying to solve for. Imagine mm. if they'd done that during COVID, they, they would have run out just like everybody else. But mm. now you've got these people used to, oh, it's only a buck or two bucks. I can put another one in somewhere because I might be out. So it's thinking how that consumer thinks and quite frankly, how do you influence what they do? Because that's why things get merchandised the way they do is to influence how the consumers buy. And so it's taking that mentality and saying, where's our profitable growth? And we used to call it manipulating the mix is you'd sell those high end, uh, high margin items with the low margin 
pantry fillers. And that automatically did better for both basket and bottom line. I to think. You, point, oh, Craig, go ahead, Linda. To that point, Craig, um, we you were talking about bakery goods before. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I used to work in a bakery, and you know when you think about the inputs that go in, and they would run specials, loss leaders, and that type of thing. Well, the the cheapest loss leader for them was were donut holes, mm -hmm. and donut holes were something they could sell tons of for a very low price. And they thought, well, that makes sense. Well, we who were working on the product didn't think it made so much sense, but that part wasn't being measured because it took three times as long to prepare these things. You'd have to mix all sorts of toppings. You'd have to handle them. You'd have to count them. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculously time consuming. And within that time frame, had we been able to spend more time on higher margin products, even maybe some more um, single price purchase items, the profitability could have gone so much better. And yet nobody was asking. Right. And I, I find that frequently the problem that we don't look at what the real inputs are. We, we regard some things as sunk costs and don't consider the variability within them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard to make that communication throughout the organization from start to finish. Yep. Well, and just staying on that thing real quick is that, so in this, this donut business, sprinkles are the number one cost item, the highest cost item they put on their donuts. And right now they take the donut and they dip it in the sprinkles. Mm -hmm. And so they probably have four times as many sprinkles as they would need instead of doing, you know, a salt and pepper thing over the top of them. And I finally got them convinced that you got to stop that. You're not going. You're not getting any credit for having all the sprinkles in the world on one donut. So you, you just get sprinkles on them, and people, ooh, look, sprinkles. So it, yeah, it's changing that mentality, and and sometimes we get blind. And Bill Nolan, who passed away, he owned Nolan Supermarkets over in St. Paul. Um, he would always look at the small things, and he come through and point them out because if you take care of the small things, the big things will take care of themselves. And we used to term that store blindness is that we'd go in and we'd see a problem because we were so used to seeing the problem. We just walked by it all the time. And that's why you have other people come through and look at the business. That's why consulting and consultants can be so useful because they're not troubled by working in the business. They're there to work on the business and they're there to find the flaws and to ask the questions and I found this being inside big companies, when I asked really difficult questions as an insider, I was perceived as being a political climber, not a problem solver. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I have no ax to grind except help me understand why this is happening. Well, it's <laughs> a great skill for a consultant, but it's not necessarily appreciated inside corporate America. No, uh, and they will find out quickly that, hey, you're not a team player. Yeah. And so, yeah. and there's, there's where potential innovation gets blocked because as you said, there's that echo chamber where we're all sitting around a room and we're all nodding and lots of bobbleheads. Yeah, we all agree. So we have one idea that we all agree with, but there's, if, if we're trying to do something new and different, whatever got us to where we are may only be a part of what's going to get us to the next place. And we, and the more brains and voices you can get involved, the better, but you know, people, we we talked earlier about sort of when ego takes over. It's like, well, I built this business and I am a genius and the market says I'm a genius. So therefore I have all the ideas and that's great until it isn't. Right. Yeah. The, 
the uh, that corporate thing uh, uh, resonated, Craig, because I remember early on in my career with Coke, we used to have the US team come over and talk to us about things that worked over here in the US. And we would start pointing out why they couldn't work in a market like the UK. Yeah. And all we got was, don't be so negative. <laughs> yeah, and we're yeah. like, we're not. We're actually giving constructive feedback as to why this can't work in the market. That's so negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Well, that's that's the problem with humans. You know, if everything was done with robots, none of this stuff would be a problem. But, <laughs> right. you know, it's confirmation bias and all that stuff. And then I don't want to look bad. And, and you know, that's why I think psychological safety and is, is another piece of this is how do you make sure that people can speak up and ask questions and offer ideas um, and then that those are welcomed as opposed to, you know, just trashed on. Because we learn really quickly. I'm not going to speak up, and maybe I'll go work someplace that ideas are welcome. Well, and I think as as leaders, it's incumbent on us to listen critically to the U.S. Coke team and go, okay, some of that's not going to work here, but how would we twist that? Mm. How would we turn it to make it work? Because the human nature is the in, in having called on buyers for many years, the, the buyer first answer is no it's you got to get you got to convince them to say yes instead of thinking okay if my goal is to drive top line drive bottom line and aggressively manage expense line how can this fit into that how can i make this work and as a seller making it easy for them by saying well here's things you're doing that maybe aren't getting you where you want to go so stopping those and starting something new Maybe better for you. Yeah. And those and are exactly the way back and forth. Sorry, Craig. Those are exactly the questions that if I'm a good salesperson, I'm asking those of my customer and saying, what are you trying to do with your business? And how can we help? Yep. Because as opposed to, hey, we've got this great product and you're going to love it. It's called a Swiffer. Yep. And if you say, well, one of the things I'm trying to do with my business and my house is get rid of all this piled up dust great. Hey, here's a solution. So the better we can all get at thinking that way and then exporting that to our customers, I think that just drives the whole thing. Well, and that goes back to something that I think, Ron, is incredibly basic in human nature. And that's listening. And I'm not, Peter can tell you, sometimes I'm not the most amazing listener out there. But asking the right question to start the conversation to your point, Ron, what problems are you guys facing that you wish you had a solution to? And then shutting up for five minutes while they explain it to you. And it's mm -hmm. taking that and going, okay, I don't have a perfect answer, but I've got one that can work that really will help them in a variety of other ways. And I, I've guided some friends when they were looking for work on um, how to interview because they'd go in and say, well, here's all my background and here's what everything I've done and here's why I'm so good. And it's like, but did you ever ask them what their problem was? And what if, you know, what, what do they expect this job to be able to accomplish and why? And listen to that and then say, well, let me tell you about a time when I did that and was able to do these things. Now, suddenly you're solving that problem for them. And they're going, where's this person been all my life? Yeah. Yeah. What's going to be different? As a mm -hmm. result of us working together. Yep. And, and, you know, I, I think, too, when it's 
when it's you know a business to business type thing it's really you know that that being able to really try and understand what are not only their problems but what are their dreams yeah. you know what do they wish would you know a year from now what what do you want to happen and can we help with that um and maybe you can't and i i know there are customers who really appreciate when you say well it's a great conversation i don't think we can do anything to help but i might be able to refer you to somebody or something but um i think so often uh, it's we're again we're enamored with whatever it is we do and we're just you know we're hoping they catch the same thing but that's hope is not a strategy in that case well and i had a just before i jumped on this call i had a connection of mine on linkedin say hey i've got a you know a company looking for a fractional cmo and you know my eyes go like this because it's like hey that might be me and they said, well, they need this and this. And I said, well, that's not me. I mean, I can help guide them, but I've got the perfect person. If you're looking for somebody to do those two things, this is the person you should contact because mm-hmm. they're going to be able to get it done. Happy to help, but I don't think I'm the one you're looking for. Yeah. Well, I think, too, it comes back to that whole listening. I think we all have the capability to do it. And what has to be overcome is our human nature is, you know, I ask a question and, uh, um, and I have been vict- victim of this or a perpetrator. I'll ask a question and I'm so impressed with my question that I'm thinking about that. Man, that was a good question. Boy, they really are thinking about this and I'm missing what they're saying. Or I'm reloading and getting ready with what I'm going to say when they stop. And, I believe you. Yeah. D- doesn't matter what they're going to say. You're still going to ask that next question. Yeah. Or or <laughs> start to launch into my solution. Um, and that's a, yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's a developmental skill. It's something that, I mean, we all get op, uh, tremendous opportunities to practice it all day long. Um, but, you know, it's a bad, back to one of those human things. Mm-hmm. Well, Peter has a saying that rings true in so many instances. We all have solutions looking for problems. And... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably 90% of the noise that you have to deal with online is because there are so many solutions. And really, you know, where's the avenue to um, explore and or digest or dis- um, dissect the problem? I, Linda, I, I think you're you're exactly right, because when you think of, it goes back to what I said about being transactional, and that was more in a consumer world. In a B2B world, forming the relationship is really important because sometimes that purchase is going to last for 20 years. So it's, you know, maybe they're not ready to buy for another 10. Well, what do you do to keep the relationship going? And if you go into the conversations with the goal of getting to know the person, understand their problems, Ron, to your point, and then understand how are they searching for solutions well, maybe then you can add value that goes beyond what the transaction is or even become a trusted confidant so that when they actually do have to make the purchase, they're not even going out to the open market. They're going, I've known Peter so long, I'm just going to call him because I know he's going to take care of me and he's going to help solve the problems. Time now to do it. And Peter's been selling this poor guy for 10 years. And now the timing just happens to be right, but it was the relationship that he built that caused that to happen. And we're so quick to say, buy, no, move on, instead of 
buy. Okay, help me understand what what's holding you back. Oh, well, you're under contract for three more years. Well, that just means I get three more years to get to know you uh, better so that when time comes, you already trust me. So there's no longer a buyer-seller relationship. It's a business partnership that says, yeah, you've helped me so much that how do we, how do we make this replacement better? And, uh, you know, I, I was laughing about this the other day because, uh, you know, Peter mentioned that he and I have been friends for a number of years. And two years ago, um, my wife and I were going somewhere on vacation. Peter called and he said he needed to talk and said, oh, I'll have to be in the car with my wife. And he was explaining that he was getting frustrated because he'd done so much business development work and just nothing nothing was landing. And uh, my plate was extremely full with, with clients. And then at the beginning of 2022, and he's calling and telling me, I've got this and I've got this and I had to fire a client and I picked up two other, and I'm in there going, and all the clients I had when we had that other conversation, now we're gone. So now I'm in the business development world. <laughs> and it's that work that goes into building the pipeline and maintaining the relationships of those folks in the pipeline. You just don't know when it's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. So in a B2B mm-hmm. world, it's keeping all those relationships alive so that if growth becomes too much, well, guess what? I can call Peter tomorrow and go, okay, Peter, I've got too much work. I need somebody to come in and backfill a little bit. So I'm building the relationship there as well with people that can backfill when maybe I don't have the time. I was just going to say, I think the overall action takeaway is start thinking about growth um, in a different way and be strategic at the front end. I think that's been a theme through all of our discussion is that, you know, think about the why as much as the how and all the, and if you do that sort of thinking at the front end, you, you, you have a much better chance of success with your strategy being implemented successfully. And I think the the cultural synergy, not only of acquisition, but of developing products that are closer into the where your sweet spot is, is a very thoughtful process. Because you can look at anything and go, oh, I'd be great if we could sell that, but would it be a good cultural fit? Would people get why you're out there selling it? And I was talking to a friend today that the company he works with, they sell dry beans and popped popcorn. And they don't, they don't mesh together. There are different buyers in most retailers and they're not selling them as a solution the way I would sell them, which is a low value, high weight, high value, low weight, perfect truckload uh, partners. They're selling two separate pieces. It's like, I can tell you that that's probably not going to be your best bet. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to submit a question, email successauthorities at inquire at successauthorities.com.